Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It's officially that time of year, folks. Time for us to run back one of our favorite segments here on the Cracked Interviews Podcast. We have officially reached the NCAA Sweet 16. As such, we are officially ready to unveil our Cracked Racket Sweet 16 press row, where I will attempt to speak with one representative from Every remaining Division One team still alive in that NCAA team event. Now, in the past, we've tried to speak with head coaches exclusively. I wanted to mix things up. We've been so fortunate to speak with so many of these head coaches, not just in the past, but in this 2023 season in particular, that, again, I wanted to hear a different perspective on where each of these teams currently sit entering this Sweet 16 weekend. As such, yes, you'll hear from some head coaches, but you'll also hear from some assistant coaches. You'll hear from some players over the next few days on this podcast. As again, I try to prepare all of us college tennis fans for the start of the NCAA Sweet 16. Before we get to today's episode, have to give a massive shout out to the support we get from our friends at Turner, who not only support this podcast, they support each and every week's episode of The Deciding Point and support tennis players everywhere by providing, simply put, the best grip available on the market. There's a reason all of us as tennis fans can identify a Turner grip on someone's racket. That iconic trademark blue color, it glistens on each and every tennis court. It's utilized, of course. It's also the best in the business, the most durable. It gets tackier as you sweat. And now they've got the latest iteration of their Turner grip as well as Turner has unveiled. Turner Tough, it's just a better version of that Turner grip all of us has come to love. You can, of course, find Turner Grips wherever you shop for your tennis supplies. And look, the next time you got to change your grip, know that Turner not only provides the best in the business, they support our podcasts here as well. So the least we can ask you to do is support them also. A massive shout out to our friends at Turner. Be sure to check out the latest iteration, the Turner Tough Grip today. With that said, let's get to it. Here is an episode from our 2023 NCAA Sweet 16 press row. Joining us on the podcast once again today is someone I can now call a returning champion here on our Crack Racket show. Someone who I really don't know how her heart still works after the ups and downs, the four threes her team has put her through throughout the course of the season. Of course, her team also played one of the most exciting opening weekends of the 2023 NCAA tournament as they went on the road, earned four three victories over FIU and Miami. Welcome back onto our show, head coach of the Auburn women's tennis team, Caroline Lilly. Coach, congratulations on the victories. How are you healthy? How are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. <laughs> it's always <laughs> four to three matches are always exciting, uh, without a doubt. So we're grateful to have the opportunity to have such competitive matches throughout the year. Uh, but I'm really proud of our group, whether it's a four, three or a seven, zero, or honestly a three, four played the right way. And they're know they're, they know they're going to be rewarded by our coaching staff and by me. And, and they do really, they've done some really good things this year. Uh, so <laughs> I'm alive and I'm well, let's put it that way. Alive is the right word. That's actually, that's the perfect word to describe things. And, you know, again, you are familiar to 4-3, certainly after this season. But to see your team drop the doubles point, earn four singles victories against FIU, to see them take the doubles point, get that 4-3 win on the road at Miami. I know it's late in the year, but what'd you learn about your group? What'd you think about their performance? I have felt this way about this group all year. We have an incredibly resilient team. You know, we have won doubles points and not performed the way that we would like in singles. We have lost doubles points and performed incredibly well in singles. So we play a specific style of doubles. We play very aggressive doubles. Uh, I, that's how I like it. That's how I want it. I don't want to play passive doubles. I want us poaching. I want us coming forward as much as possible. Uh, sometimes we look better doing that than others. Uh, but overall, that's the style of tennis that I want. I want the same thing on the singles court. Uh, so it's good to see our girls mature. It's good to see our team really embrace that style of tennis. Um, but I just I believe that this group is the most resilient group I've ever coached um, and, and they really trust each other and they really believe in each other. So win or lose a doubles, uh, you know that you're going to have an opportunity in singles and, and they know that points can come from any spot and points can be put on the board by any player. Mm -hmm. You talk about that aggressive double style, looking at the pairings you played throughout the course of the year, you didn't tinker around that much. You stayed, you know, I'm sure there were injuries here and there that ultimately mm -hmm. led to switches. Of course, those who followed the season closely will remember those, but you know, you stuck with your teams. I'm curious why that was the choice. I think the biggest thing for me is you can't, you can't manufacture synergy. Okay. They either have it or they don't. And I never questioned the synergy of the three teams that have been consistently playing for us. There's been moments where each team has really struggled. Um, and that's you, you can look at our results and see that. But the way that they treat each other and the fact that they are better because of who they are playing with and their partnership has that synergy that you can't manufacture that isn't artificial – they, I always know that they're going to find a way through it when they hit a little bit of a valley or they hit a couple of matches in a row where they just haven't performed the way that they want. They're still treating each other right. And so when you have doubles teams that have that and you have doubles teams that make each other better, regardless of what they've done in the last four or five matches, you know, they're going to be better together than if you separate them. Mm -hmm. And you guys ultimately take that doubles point against Miami now. It was one of those weird four threes where there were five straight set matches. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about Adeline's performance down the home stretch. And, you know, again, you've been around college tennis as a player, as a coach for a while. Do the butterflies ever go away uh, in those four three snares? I feel like it's way harder to watch than play. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit different to watch. I always want them to enjoy it. You know, I think one thing that Adeline and I talked about going into that third set was she has the best perspective of anyone on her team. You know, when she's enjoying playing, she will play the style that she wants and she will execute play in that style. And I think one thing that she's done more so this year than any prior year here at Auburn is she's put in a ton of extra work. I mean, she has been so hungry and she has been incredibly disciplined in putting in the extra work that over the course of time that you are rewarded for that. You don't see results immediately. The work that you put in six to eight months ago, that's what you're seeing now. And, and that's the 
thing. Adeline was a different player for us this fall because of how she practiced and the amount of work she put in when we were not requiring that work of her. And she really set a tone. And, and so there's no surprise to me that the match comes down to her, that she's smiling and she's coming forward and she's playing her style of tennis. But she also could rely on that extra preparation that she had. And that's where you build the belief. If you don't believe before the match starts, you're not going to win. Like belief is not built in the results. Belief is built on the practice court. And she has done a really good job this year specifically of putting in that extra work to gain that competitive edge, to know that regardless of what situation she's in, whoever's across the net, that she has a way to disrupt and she has a way to apply consistent pressure. You just alluded to this, but that theme of seeing it and having the belief and being through it before, you know, it's kind of been a through line for you and this program because, you know, last year you guys make the national indoors and this year you make it as well. Now you're going to the Sweet 16. How much does playing through those matches, even when there's not success, just being in that scenario, how valuable is that? I mean, experience, you can't, you can't, you can as much as you want to be able to coach experience, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> there's just sure. there's no way. And so I love that we have some young people experiencing it for the first time. And we have three freshmen in our top six. Um, and, and they've done a terrific job for us all year. We have some that have a lot of big match experience now. And so they they can communicate a lot better with their teammates than we can. Um, obviously, Megan and I both played at a high level, so that helps. But that was a while ago. I know that they stay the same age, but I'm older. And I understand that piece. But I think that experience through, through big matches or on, on a larger stage than, let's just say, a home regular season match just serves you incredibly well. Um, I think it, it allows you to, to, to stay calm. It allows you to play present and allows you to work through some things that maybe you wouldn't, you, you couldn't or wouldn't have worked through in the past. And so one thing that we spoke about before the Miami match was, you know, Auburn women's tennis has been knocking on the door for a long time. I mean, it's always, they, it's been, Auburn women's has been relevant for a long time. Um, and I think that recently Auburn women's tennis has, has not just been knocking on the door. We've taken a seat at the table, you know, that it's, it, it, it's no longer just us gunning for people. People are shooting for us. You know, we have a target on our back and that's earned. And that's something that, that we will learn to continue to process and deal with better than we have this year and better than we did last year and every other year as we continue to grow. But when you really feel like you have a seat at the table and, and you're no longer knocking, I think that that goes a long way with, with a young team. Mm-hmm. And off of that theme, two-part question, answer in whatever order you'd like. I've often said I'm the Barbara Walters of college tennis, so you know the questions <laughs> are coming strong. Um, but you mentioned the three freshmen, Caitlin, DJ, Angela. They've all con- you know, they've all been asked to, and they've all delivered results uh, through the ups and downs of any college tennis players freshman season where this gets into a two-part question is I do want you to talk me to me about the three freshmen but then also what's it like for you to on one side you know Adeline Caroline uh Ariane they've all been through it before and then on the other side you have these three freshmen who have not how have you balanced those two things this year I think that freshmen bring that excitement, you know, they like, it's a first, it's a first, it's a first. And our, our, our returners are excited too. So don't get me wrong, but there's this, this youthful exuberance that again, you can't manufacture like synergy on the doubles court. You can't manufacture that. So they bring this excitement. Um, and something that, that our returners have, but it's a little bit different. And then you couple that with the experience that some of our other players have. That combination is really special. You know, the way that our freshmen have handled 
losses is a testament to how the upperclassmen in this program handle losses. The way that our freshmen have handled wins is a testament to how our upperclassmen handle wins. You know, we we lose with grace, we win with dignity. I think we talk about that a lot, but I think that they they bring an excitement and then I feel like our older kids bring a perspective that a loss is not the end of the world. It just like the win, a win is something to be celebrated and be excited about, but it's also something that should be motivating and it, it's not the mountaintop. You know, you haven't reached the mountaintop. You're continuing to, to strive to take steps forward. And so that perspective, I think, is really provided by our older kids. Um, and Celine, I mean, Celine didn't play for us all year. Uh, we're excited to have her back next year, but she was unbelievable for us all year. I mean, so supportive, so engaged, coached a ton. I mean, she wore shoes that she would have never thought she would wear <laughs> as a college tennis player and has grown immensely in her leadership because of how supportive she has been of the girls that have been playing for us all year. Mm-hmm. Not to ask you to give away all the secrets, but I think I've made it known on podcasts before. You're one of my favorite coaches to watch coach and just what you guys are doing. It's undeniable. Are you using two different languages in the sense of the way you can talk to a Caroline or an Ariana is just different Mm -hmm. than you can talk to the freshman at this point? I think every player is different. You know, Megan and I spend a lot of time with our players off the court. You know, I think if you're going to demand a lot on the court, you better put money in the bank. You know, yeah, I think sure. Bruce Pearl, our basketball coach says all the time, no man rises to low expectations, but you have to love them well to push them hard. And so I think when you get to know someone on a relational basis and you understand what makes them tick, some can handle tougher coaching. Some aren't going to handle it well. Some can handle you getting a little expressive. Some aren't going to handle that well. And I think what makes a good coach is it's not necessarily how I want to coach. It's how they are mo- most receptive to being coached. So every single person's a little bit different. Um, they all work and, th- and they certainly are all disciplined and we expect a tremendous amount in the areas they can control. But Megan and I spend a lot of time getting to know them. Um, we're not perfect. We'll own w- when we did not approach things correctly. I think that's a really important part of leadership is owning and taking responsibility when you weren't or we weren't what we needed to be. Um, but everyone's going to be approached a little different. I think our freshmen are wired in a way that they are very hard on themselves, you know, and I think that we have understood that for a long time, that they're perfectionists, they're incredibly driven. Um, And if anything, we need to make sure that they have a little bit better perspective, Um, that internal motor, that rage to master, that's certainly there with all three of them. Yeah, no, I mean, how have you gone about communicating that? Because I'm sure, especially given just Caroline Ansari is a magnetic personality, Mm -hmm. and it's her final year on the job. I'm sure those freshmen do feel some urgency right now. Mm -hmm. Has that been a balance? She has another year. She's coming back next year. She has one more. See, again, in the COVID era, you just (laughs) lose track. I just – I give up. Next year's the last year I have to worry about this And then I'm done with it. (laughs) Yeah. And so, no, I mean, well, that's very exciting. And, you know, again, I guess with that in mind, knowing that you have this group for a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing all the ups and downs it's been, have there been any surprises like in this 2023 season from this team? What about this year has surprised you the most? I think the biggest thing that has surprised me probably is how quickly we have learned. You know, I would have said in in the fall, especially when, when you lose someone like Celine, who's been such an integral part to what we've done, the poise at the top of our lineup has been incredible. I wouldn't say I'm surprised. 
You know, I think Ariana and Carolyn have established themselves as one of the best one-two punches in college tennis. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised by that, but they've shown tremendous leadership and tremendous poise with some unexpected circumstances, things that we didn't see coming. Um, and then I'd say the uh, probably the biggest surprise, like I said, is just our ability to learn. I mean, this group has learned really fast. I mean, to add two players in Ali and Angie in January, you know, and, and basically have DJ out almost the entire fall. I mean, she played one tournament. <laughs> um, to have Caitlin come to school as, at 17 years old a year early. I mean, you're adding so many different pieces. Uh, you're adding so many different different roles. And I think the way that they've learned has been at a rate that that I wouldn't have expected. You know, great athletes and driven people learn fast. You know, that combination of ability to learn and rage to master, that's really what it requires to be great. But I, I, I have been pleasantly surprised with how quickly they've digested information. I think that that is, that speaks to how badly they want to be great. Um, but that has been something that's been nice for sure. You've talked about the efforts the seniors have made to build camaraderie off the court. Take me behind the scenes. What When Auburn women's tennis wants to get down off the court, <laughs> what, what's the activity that you guys are up to? I don't know. They seem to get their nails done all the time, <laughs> which is like shocking to me because some of them I'm like, I didn't even know that you wanted your nails done. <laughs> I'm like, you want to like rip someone's throat out and then you're like, oh, look at my nails. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on? I think some of them are like, yeah, you guys have like a really feminine team. I'm like, I don't think we have, <laughs> we have athletes. Like I coach athletes. So I think that's one thing that they like to, they like to cook. We have a, a couple that are really good cooks. So they spend a lot of time eating meals together, spending time together, getting their nails done. Um, and, and, and they definitely are social. I think they've done a really good job of having friends on other teams and having different outlets. Um, but I would say really they bond over food um, because that's a passion for quite a few of them. And some of them like the cooking part, some of them like the eating part, some of them like both. So that's good. <laughs> but yeah, I would say those are probably the, the main things that they like to do. If you had to guess who likes the cleaning part. Oh man, none of them. I look at the <laughs> Megan and I are really good cleaners. Just let us know whenever you need anything done. I, uh, yeah, I, may, I think Nasty is our cleanest kid though. I'd have to give her the nod on that. I like that. I want you to know I hadn't asked that to anyone yet. I liked your answer so much. That's getting into the rotation. Yeah, it's so, yeah, That was really good. So thank you for that. I appreciate yeah, that. Well, of course, moving forward, you guys have the Sweet 16 ahead. NC State. What sort of challenge does that provide your team? What are your thoughts on the Super Regional? I think any time you're playing in a Sweet 16 match, um, to me, it's the, it's the hardest round there is. You know, to, to overcome a Sweet 16 match, to earn an opportunity to get there, you've arrived. To overcome that is, is a big step in any program. And so I think we're really excited to play NC State. Um, we know they've had a terrific year. They've built a terrific program. And we have all the respect in the world for everything that their coaching staff has done and all their players have accomplished. I mean, I think five or six years ago, they were far less relevant than they are now. And now they're they're arguably one of the best teams in the country. And not even arguably, they are one of the best teams in the country. And we know that. And we're excited about that. I think going into the match, we're really focused on ourselves. You know, what do we do? How do we prepare? I think that's one thing that we've consistently, a consistent theme that we've used since we've been at Auburn is we'll know our opponents, but we, if we execute the way we want to execute, we are going to do what we do well. And we're going to stick with that. And sometimes it works. And sometimes we might fall a little bit short, but we spend a lot more time focusing on us um, than focusing on others. You know, I, I, I rarely know any results in college tennis. Um, I rarely follow it. Cause to me, I'm like, I don't know how that adds any value. I don't know how that helps us. 
so we spend a lot of time focused on the things that we do, you know, and I think maybe that's a little different than some people. I think scouting is important. It's not that we never scout, but I think that our players understand that game plan A is to stick with, with what we do well and play Auburn tennis. Yeah. With that in mind, you guys went on the road last year for the Super Regional. You're on the road this year. You know, as a player, obviously, you've been around with a toast site, Sweet 16, and versus the Super Regional format. Which do you prefer? It's a great question. So I liked having all 16 teams at the final site because I do think that that Sweet 16 match, there were a lot of upsets. Yeah. And I obviously, you've seen that there have been no upsets and I don't know at the men's side, I don't think there's been many on the men's side, if any. On the women's side, there's been none. And so I, I, but I also like that a team who's not hosting gets to go and show a toughness factor. Like who's going to be the first? Eventually there's going to be an upset. Who's going to be the first? So I like that. Um, I think that having eight teams at a final site, you can take a little bit better uh, care of them. I mean, I think one year we played at Stanford and our flight got delayed out of Atlanta. This is when I was playing and we got into Palo Alto at like two in the morning and we had practice courts at like 8 a.m. And coach was like, hey, girls, like sleep in, whatever. We all got phone calls at 7.30 in the morning. Get out of bed. This is the only time we can practice. So things like that, you can avoid a lot more when you have fewer teams. Um, but I do think you miss you miss that, that special feeling of making a Sweet 16, but it also makes that Elite Eight even more special. So I wouldn't say I have a preference either way. I do think it, it changes the way you schedule. I mean, you're going to schedule to be top eight and you're going to take risks to be top eight. And if that means kind of like this year, like we end up 17, 18 in the country rather than seven or eight in the country or five in the country, then then so be it. But I think there's something special kind of about both formats. Two follow-ups off to that. Do you like the, I mean, because you've gone on the road, do you think there's something to there are better crowds in these super regional matches than at the super site? Without a doubt. I mean, there, there's definitely better crowds. There's not better crowds for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that, that's de uh, definitive. Yeah. Uh, but I think the atmosphere is, is, is really good. I mean, our match against Texas was incredible last year. Um, wish we performed a bit better in singles, obviously, but taking the doubles point and, and the number of people that were there and number of people supporting was incredible. And honestly, if you're topping in the country, you've earned the opportunity to host. You know, you've put in a lot of work. It is incredibly difficult to, to to finish the year or to go into the NCAA tournament ranked there. And so to give those teams the opportunity that they've earned to, to play one last home match in front of a home crowd it is really special. Yeah. The second follow-up would be you mentioned the rankings component. And the more I follow the game, the more I realize from your perspective, it's really just a game of math and trying mm -hmm. to find the points to be top 16 mm -hmm. I'm starting to think there's a world – I know there's a rule you can't play post-conference tournament, but just I'm going to pose a hypothetical. Mm -hmm. You decide, you know what? I'm going to keep two dates in my back pocket to start the mm -hmm. season, and I'm going to call, say, Audra Cohen at Oklahoma, who this year they were in that 14 mm -hmm. to 19 vomit zone as well, and be like, hey, Tuesday, April 6th, we're mm -hmm. playing. Like, mm -hmm. is there Would there be a reason to – would you consider doing that in the future? I think some people have. I mean, yeah. people have definitely added matches late in the season. Uh, I, I, we, I play in a conference. We play in a conference that you have plenty of opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't capitalize on our opportunities late. Uh, we took, we played some uncharacteristic matches as well, um, which we learned from and we grew from. But I, I, there's definitely something to be said about that. I think with our conference and the way that we schedule, 
I don't typically leave a date. I think that every date has incredible meaning. Every date that I schedule two years in advance um, is incredibly beneficial, but I see how that would be something that would be, there would be some incentive to do that, especially in certain conferences. You know, when we add Texas and OU and potentially we play everyone, I think that our conference schedule looks even tougher than it is now, which is a good thing. I think everyone in the SEC feels the same way, that that just only makes our conference better. Uh, I do think with scheduling, um, you you have to take your shots. Like if you schedule super safe, you're going to be in a position where you might be making NCAA tournaments, but to really push yourself and to really make deep runs in the tournament, you can't schedule safe. And so I think that's one thing that we've really changed since I got to Auburn is we're going to, we're going to play whoever's going to play us, you know, and we don't care if it's on the road or if it's at home or, you know, it's indoors or outdoors or, I mean, to to me, a a tennis match is a tennis match. And when you can put yourself against the best teams in the country, you're going to find out where you need to get better, but also you're going to find out what your team's made of pretty quick. We've talked about this in the past, and I know it's still a bridge away, but will you reevaluate how you approach your fall dates even as soon as this year, given the looming switch to the individuals in 2024? I see so much value in fall tennis. Yeah, I think that for me, if if I'm ranked top 25 in the country and I don't make the tournament because I'm below 500 and my administration doesn't understand that, then okay. <laughs> you know, I, I just, that's just not in my brain. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like to play less fall tennis or fewer tournaments in the fall is robbing my players of the opportunity to get better. And that's why they're here. Like they want to get better. Uh, and of course they want to win. I mean, winning's fun for everyone, but they want to improve. And I think to, to steal those opportunities away from them, um, especially when they're, when we can take them to such competitive events throughout the country, whether those are pro events or college events, I think is a really disservice to their long-term growth. You know, and I, I've always told my my players and, and Megan and I talk about it a lot is we're never going to sacrifice long term growth for short term gain. You know, the, our players are not just wanting to be the best college tennis players they can be. I mean, they want to be the best professional tennis players they can be. And so making them keeping that in mind and making the long term growth of the, the priority, the fall is just way too important. I mean, the fall is just this unbelievable opportunity to play a ton of matches and to grow and to be pushed and to be made uncomfortable. Um, so I see a ton of value in fall tennis. And obviously with with NCAAs moving to the fall, even more value in, in fall tennis. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear, you know, you are someone who's always thinking about what's next and you have that future perspective as well. Um, again, you know, with the NCAA individuals moving and, you know, with your pro, I, I guess, again, does it force you to reevaluate what you take as the next steps for your Yeah, program? I think I misunderstood your question. No, 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 no. This is the follow-up. No, no, no. This is, no, 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 not at all because <laughs> this is the, no, 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 not at all because this is the follow-up to that is, mm-hmm. you know, again, as, as you begin to look for things, what is the next step for this Auburn t- program that has now made back-to-back Sweet 16s? And, you know, again, there are some changes coming in college tennis as well. How does that force you as a coach to say, okay, here are our next steps. Yeah. Any coach that's not adapting is falling behind. You know, if you're not innovative and creative with how you train, how you recover, how you, how you feed yourself, how, how you sleep. I mean, all of those things have come a long way. I mean, sports science is, is, is a industry that's, that's going to be probably the most important part of collegiate athletics in the next 10 years. You know, Europe's doing a better job. Obviously we've talked about that before, um, but it's huge. And so if you're not innovating in regards to how you schedule or, to, to me, it's so much what are the priorities of the people on your team? 
Yeah. You know, do, do they value being an All-American? Do they want to play the NCAA individual tournament? If they're an American, they probably value those things a little bit more than an international student athlete. Uh, what I've told our players is you tell me what your goals are and we will put together a specific program for you to reach those goals, to prioritize your needs, to prioritize your growth. And if that's all professional tournaments, great. If that's all college tournaments, great. If that's playing regionals, if that's not. If that's playing All-Americans, if that's not. We're completely open. You know, I mean, last year we had people qualify for the individual tournament and they opted not to play. And, and to me, like, that's that's their thing. Like, that's their opportunity. Um, so I think that it, it's so much more adapting to the players that you have. I think, obviously, like, you want players who love playing college tennis and you also want players who want to be the best that they can be. And that balance is, is really important to strike. I think one thing with rankings and ranking formulas and math when you're looking at breaking those things down is I think it's crazy that you cap wins and you don't cap losses. Like, I don't know in statistics how that my finance brain can wrap around that at all, that you're going to say potentially a lot of these teams, you have top 25 wins that are potentially not counting, but every single loss that you take hurts you. I think to me, that's probably the biggest thing that has never made sense to me. That I'm like, I, last I checked, when when men's basketball or women's basketball is determining who makes insulate tournament, they're not like, oh yeah, you know that Auburn win over over Arkansas or that Auburn win over Tennessee. You know, we're not going to count that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Well, let the record show you answered the both of those questions exactly how I was hoping for, and <laughs> I just blame I I'm going for the Gladwell ten thousand hours theory in a mm-hmm. day. I'm just trying to see if I can. I talk like that. 10, yeah. Yeah. Ten thousand hours. Exactly. And so it's my fault for asking a poorly worded question, but that that's the answer I was looking for. And you know, again, I know you're focused on Auburn, making sure everyone in the program, not just the players, but everyone surrounding the program, is clicking on all cylinders. That said in an exciting 2023 college tennis season where there have been so many fun storylines is there a team player coach whatever it may be in another program that's not yours that has stood out to you or you've admired this season that's a really good question I don't know if there's anyone that I admire I mean I think I respect every coach that we've played every coach that tries to do things the right way and has built their program I think that obviously I mean what what Brian Calvis has done at UNC I mean that's incredible I mean his run with national indoors and and to deal with the expectations of consistently being the number one team in the country I think it's it's hard not to give him him a nod um, when you think about people who who really try to build programs the right way um, and consistently try to do things the right way I know that that elusive NCAA title is is still uh, something that they're gunning for, but I do think that that he hasn't just established himself as a great coach. I think he's established his program as the one to beat every single year. And at the NCAA tournament, they've been beat, um, but they've really, I mean, if you look at how many matches they've won and how many matches they've lost for the last 10 years, I cannot imagine what those numbers look like. And so he's done a, he's done a tremendous job. But like I said, I mean, I think what Audra's done at OU, what Bruman's done at Iowa state. Um, I think what, what Roland's done at Florida. I mean, what, what, what Drake and Jeff have done at Georgia, what Allison's done at Tennessee. I mean, you look at every single team that, that's playing in the sweet 16 and teams that aren't playing in the sweet 16 and what they've done with their programs. There's a lot to 
to respect there. Um, everyone does it a little bit differently. Everyone has a little bit different philosophy. I mean, NC State, I mean, what they've done to win, go and win an ACC title. And I don't think anyone would have thought NC State would win an ACC title eight years ago. I mean, that that would have been a, a dream, like dreamland. And so there, there's a lot to respect in college tennis. Um, and, and we're certainly excited about the opportunity to be a part of it. I'm excited like three years from now when there are going to be some really good teams that, you know, we'll be talking about number one Auburn, they're 28, no going to be un, you know, undefeated running the table. And we'll be like, yeah, but you remember how on the 2023 UNC team, Yarla Gata was listed at seven. Like how crazy was that? Like, yeah, I agree. Like, what? Yeah. It's just like, that was a thing that you happened. You're making like seven, seven of your players are making the insta play singles. That's weird. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're like, I'm hoping to get one. <laughs> yeah, and like people are arguing it was an underperformance. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I, I just think that yeah. is half the fun of college tennis right now. And again, mm-hmm. my final question in that spirit, is there a favorite going into the Sweet 16? 16 teams remain. Do you think there's a clear-cut favorite for the NCAA title? I don't think there ever is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that Stanford has won national, a lot of national titles. Sometimes they've had the best team and sometimes they have not. And I think they have shown that that come tournament time, it's really the team that can, it, it, it's the team of six players playing doubles and six players playing singles where people in the lineup take an absolute lump. You know, I mean, like you think of, of Texas and, and both years, they had players take the last two years, they've had players take lumps in an Elite A match and a Sweet 16 match. What I'm paying Stern's I think lost badly. Was it last year to Emma Navarro? I mean, like badly. Yeah. And comes back and wins all the rest of her matches. If (laughs) you have a team that, that, that can do that and is resilient and you have players in your doubles and singles lineup that can go out there and not perform the way they want. And 24 hours later, go and consistently believe and consistently believe that, Hey, a bad day happens and we're going to be okay. You can win a national title. Um, If you have players that get a little flustered or they get a little uncertain, I don't think you'd win a national title. But I think that's one consistent theme that the points come from everywhere and there's players in your lineup that that will take a lump and how they respond to that and their ability to be resilient and still trust their stuff and trust their training and lean into their preparation. You have that combination, then it, then it's anyone's to win. Yeah. Well, speaking of resilient, nine, four, three matches this season. Uh, there is no doubt this Auburn Tigers team is resilient heading into the Sweet 16. And I know I speak for everyone. We are looking forward to watching the Tigers compete in NC State. Last question. And again, not asking for a match calculus. One match, singles, doubles, whatever it may be. One match, Auburn, NC State. What should our coverage be locked in on? Oh, Oh, man, that's too difficult. (laughs) (laughs) There's not one matchup you're like, you know what? I'm really excited to see this one. I honestly, I like every single match. I mean, we go into matches and like I've said, I mean, the points come from everywhere. So I think in the first five, six, seven games, you're going to start to see something shake out. But the good thing about tennis is it's two out of three. (laughs) I mean, you could absolutely. Lay an egg in the first set and the second set, you can come back. I think that the biggest thing to watch is, is which team has composure, the team that has composure and the team that can respond to, to losing first sets or dropping a doubles point um, it is going to be the team that comes out on top. But I think it, that composure has to be across the board. 
Yeah, you're going to have to have all of your players show up in a Sweet 16 match, and you're going to have to have all of your players to compete. You don't need all your players to win, but you need them all to put themselves in a position where they're going to earn opportunities. And if you have that composure and you and and they understand that what they do is enough and they play within their within themselves, then you're going to have a shot. Yeah, back in my day, dropping the first set, winning the match, we call that a lily. And so I'm sure we'll see a few <laughs> That's of That's news to me. Yeah, I <laughs> know. I'm, I'm sure we'll see me. a few of those uh, across the board this weekend. That's we'll, the plan. Yeah. So, well, Coach, <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time to chat. As always, uh, again, wishing you and the Tigers luck uh, throughout the course of this weekend. And, you know, again, not jinxing anything when I say I know you have individuals who will be going there. So I will mm-hmm. see you in Orlando and that sounds Tigers. Good. Thank you so much. Or Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle. That's that's I knew that. I, it's the same thing. You're good. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a long day. But thank you as always. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hope all of you enjoyed this edition of our 2023 NCAA Sweet 16 Press Row. A massive thank you to every player and coach who participated in this series. We're all excited for the home stretch of the 2023 NCAA season. Hopefully these episodes help all of you feel more prepared for the impending action. Speaking of which, if you need to catch up on anything that's happened in this NCAA tournament, Tuesday, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, we'll have episodes of The Deciding Point recapping everything that that's happened to date. Of course, we'll also have coverage of the Sweet 16 Friday, Saturday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. We'll have coverage of the quarterfinals of the D1 event. We're also going to start to work in some D2, D3 coverage as well. So rest easy, college tennis fans. We have you covered with coverage of everything that'll happen down the stretch of this 2023 season. Of course, a shout out here at Crack Rackets to the man who makes all of that possible. Our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Turna for their support. Turner Tough, best grip in the business. You can find it wherever you shop for your tennis supplies today. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>